Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. This is why they don't let the coach be the AD anymore. Yes. (laughs) The coaches used to be the ADs and everything was that Pete Thamel. That is part of probably what makes Mike Leach great as a coach because he's like defiant and stubborn and, you know, sticks to his instincts, all those good things. But it also makes him a terrible representative of the university at times. And SI's Pat Forty. That island would have to be Australia. That's the only island big (laughs) enough to have all of college football on it. And here's Dan. Uh, welcome to the pod. We know you're social distancing. We know it's Groundhog's Day. But we are here to add some spice and jazz to your life. Give yourself some purpose, at least for the next few minutes. Gentlemen, how are we holding up? We're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, we're making it, you know. All I, right. we, I think the, the listeners might want to know we had a little uh, podcast happy hour last week. Virtual happy yeah. hours. You yes. know, Skype. Good to get the brain trust together. Lift a beverage. Yes. And uh, watch Dan Wetzel drink some bad bush. But uh, no, we're doing we're doing OK at, in the 40 household. How about you all? all Pete, right. Pete Thamel, mm-hmm. how are you all hanging? Yeah, everyone's good here in uh, in South Boston. I, I think it's like I think it's like a bit of a routine now. You know, like I've slept a lot. Luckily, I have not been like Dan Wetzel and really become infatuated with loading the dishwasher, because if I hit that point, <laughs> I may just jump off my condo porch. But the <laughs> to uh, each their own. The weather started to turn up here a little bit. Look, we're talking about the weather already again. Two minutes in. Right. But oh, it's my. been nice to like walk outside at a social distance. All right, yeah. All right, just, all right. Now we know nothing's happened now. Like what gets us excited is things that could maybe potentially happen. Like that's where we're that's where we are in the in the, in the podcast realm right now. This is true. I mean, the master's is canceled i should be in augusta national right now i clearly i'm not i'm right. talking to you two um, yeah talk about well actually this would have been downfall. the day pat and i had plotted to come visit you there after the final that's true yeah. yeah right we're all gonna, gonna get right. drunk to, all right well we're, then we maybe it worked out mourning our lack of masters right now i'm pretty yeah. happy with social distancing then right now because i don't have to see you guys <laughs> in person but i was so excited yesterday they were like we're gonna run it in november and then it's like small print maybe like, you know, if they let us, but <laughs> yeah. we'll take it. Um, all right, I want to do this again because I, I think that's the single most important topic you can have on a pot college football podcast, basically a college football podcast. What did we hear this week about the season, the chance of the season, the not chance of the season? The most interesting thing I've heard this week is not football related. It is MLB's plan to try to do this thing. 
run all of their teams to Arizona and stage this kind of uh, bastardized season that includes seven-inning doubleheaders, uh, quarantining the players, some funny stuff. Like, there's no dugout. You have, the guy, each guy's got to go sit in the stands six feet apart from each other. There's no catcher, catcher pitcher <laughs> meeting. Like, <laughs> so it was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, the, the the biggest thing was they were talking about and the CDC was in favor of it, of having this test that you could test people and you could know almost immediately whether they have the coronavirus or not. And it's the one thing that I think is important when we when we discuss all this stuff is nobody knows. And we've never had good data on this. We've never had any idea how this virus really works. And in this country, at least, we've been taken seriously for Maybe a month, maybe not even that much. Mm. And so in another month or another two months or three months, do we make significant gains, not on a vaccine, but in how to treat it, how to identify it? Like There's just so many variables. Then I think that's what makes it hard to know, because already MLB's like, yeah, we can maybe test and know right away, which would mean if somebody gets sick. We don't have to quarantine and shut down the whole league like the NBA did with Rudy Gobert. So I don't know if if, if you can jump off of the baseball thing or not. It doesn't important. But what are you hearing as you call around college sports this week about where we're at af- according to the possibility of season? I know Dabo Sweeney said, we're in. What's this happening? We're putting man on the moon. Got to love a Dabo pep talk. Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Uh, sounded so sounded so plausible when he told it, and then yeah. and then people are like, "Yeah, it doesn't really work that way." But that's all right. We we need we need all sides. So, Pat, what are you hearing? A bunch. Uh, but first, I, the one thing I want to say about the baseball thing is that what it did, you know, it, 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 applicable to college football, almost not at all. But what it did, I think, was give sports fans a little jolt of hope and optimism. Like, hey. Some people are thinking about an actual tangible plan for getting sports back. And so I think from that standpoint, that was greeted as pretty exciting news. You know, as you went through, I mean, there's there's a million logistical hurdles and it'll look really weird. But if somebody's making some plans to maybe get sports back in May, then you can start walking down the line towards football season and think, hey, you know, maybe we can maybe things can happen and the way happen the way we're used to them happening. Now, I, I have talked to a bunch of folks. It's interesting. People are all over the board on this. It, but the one thing that stuck out to me, ADs publicly want to say, you know, we're optimistic. We're positive. We think things are going to happen. And then they'll be like, now off the record, we're effed. That's a direct <laughs> quote from one AD told me, <laughs> you know, just the, the logistical orders. We have so many colleges that right now are saying there are no summer school classes. And if you're not, if, if, if one AD said to me, if it's too dangerous to have students on campus going to class, why are we going to be practicing football? So I, I just still think that's still a big disconnect, going to be a big disconnect for a lot of chancellors, presidents, uh, and people on the academic side. If, if we are not having students living in dorms and going to class on campus, why the heck are we going to have 105 football guys over here working out and practicing? It, it, uh, so I think that's still a big hurdle to get over. You know, the, 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 the early season schedule is not going to happen. There's a lot of opposition to a, you know, winter spring schedule 
The one that you hear more people, I think, starting to come around to is possibly a, you know, an, like an October start and just a conference schedule. But I think everybody's still holding out hope that they're going to play 12 games and they're going to start Labor Day weekend. There just may not be any fans involved for quite a while. To me, and I, I agree with with everything that Pat said, like there is there is a lot of off the record pessimism, you know, Dabo, God bless him. But he's a recruiter, not a play caller. And thankfully, he's the face of optimism. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't want Dabo pushing the button on this on this decision. All right. Like he's out flying on his private plane. Uh, God, he's the best. But now not not I don't want him at the controls of the pandemic. We've, we've got enough issues with the people at the controls. This is why they don't let the coach be the AD anymore. Yes. <laughs> the coaches used to yeah. be the ads, and everything was effed yeah. up. Man. Yeah, the old <laughs> Frank Broyles model isn't uh, isn't isn't around ah, anymore. Let's, uh, let's run the boys out there. We got it. We got Thanks. it. So I, I think this is kind of a, an interesting debate because Pat brought up like, oh well, they'll play it without fans in college, right? But here's the thing. I, I did a story mid last week, and we had talked about it a little bit on campus. Dan brought up the, the the great point that I that I liberally weaved into my article without attribution that college football is the most complex of all the major sports remaining to do because of the size of the team, the academic affiliation, you know, the fact that it's a contact sport, et cetera. And uh, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And so I called around like a dozen school officials, ADs last week and, and basically said, my column is a simple column. Can you have college football without college, meaning like without kids on college campus. And it was a pretty resounding no. I, I thought that the the hardest no was from Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, who basically said, no, the participants are students. And I just think the liability of bringing these students outside of the campus community, putting them on campus when there's clearly, if there is, and hopefully there's not, but if there's still significant danger of this virus. Now, would certain SEC schools do it? Absolutely. But you got to get 130 schools to do it. And then like Washington's going to be less likely to do it because the, the, you know, because the issues that it's been really hit hard by the pandemic there. Whereas maybe South Carolina may be more likely to say, hey, let's go play ball. And then also too, like maybe K-State hasn't been hit that bad because they're in rural Manhattan and there haven't been that many cases there. I just don't know how... If you can get like a whole league to, to really do it and if there's outliers, like I kind of think you need 130 strong here. And you can say, oh, only the power five and maybe only play league games and that's fine. But I, I would have to there would have to be some sort of national unity. I can't see this becoming tribal. Now, that's I and again, it's like why it's liability, liability and liability now. The financial fallout of not playing is disastrous. Like we we all we all we all know that. I mean, it's it is it is trouble. Uh, I thought it was notable that Old Dominion cut wrestling last week. Now they were probably thinking about cutting wrestling, and it's probably like the it's difficult to be the first school to rip the mandate off. But quite frankly, we're we're going to be seeing a lot of that in the uh, in in the upcoming in the upcoming weeks and months. And look, the whole model was built in an untenable manner. If you have, you know, let's say an average division one school, I think you need 17 sports. Does that sound right? NCAA minimum to be division one. I think it's 14. It was 14. 16. I think they dropped it to 14. Okay. I look, I actually looked that up last night. Okay. I think. So yeah, it's somewhere in that mid teen area and, 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 and 14 does sound right. Um, it, if you have more than that, it, I, one sport, Perhaps on some campuses, two sports. Uh, 
are funding the other 12 at the minimum. That is not a good model. If every year field hockey is losing $1.3 million and you know it, and every year water, water polo is losing, you know, three quarters of a million dollars and you know it, like, and it go through, go through them all. And, you know, you got places like Stanford and Harvard that have over 30 sports. Now they have the billion dollar endowment and can afford it, et cetera. But the ancillary, you know, men's gymnastics, especially the ancillary wrestling, the 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 ones that don't make a lot of sense from Title IX balancing standpoints. I, I just, I just, I think we could see a wave of that coming and coming soon. The college football with no college, like this is Barry Switzer's dream come true, isn't it? <laughs> <This> is- <laughs> <laughs> if Barry Switzer was the commissioner of the Big Twelve, like, yeah, Cardale Jones, yeah, he's gonna come here to play play school. Yeah, I mean, this would be like genius idea. No, I don't yes. need this. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that that would quite work. Uh, plus, you, can you just bring back football? Right? right. Do you have to bring yeah. back all the fall sports. And how do you do this? Look, the UFC. Some sports can do this. The ultimate fighting championship is going to buy an island. They're just going to buy an island and just be like, we're on international waters. Screw you. We're our own country. We're doing it. I need I need two guys in a cage with a ref. That's it. Three dudes. I, some sports can do this. Golf, you could pretty ref. easily figure it out and go, yeah, you know, a uh, couple guys, sure. guys, guy and his caddy, those two have to interact, but everyone else can stay apart. You get like some Bill Murray and his like, Caddyshack hazmat suit after every green or something, <laughs> I, you know, hosing. you can do it. College football. Are you kidding me? Wow. And I, I wrote this uh, more at the NFL, but, you know, can the NFL come back? And Trump's like, hey, let's bring the thing back. And uh, we want it back, which is fine. It's, you know, I, I agree. Everyone wants it back. There's literally no one who wouldn't want business back. But Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, who's got three NFL teams, three NBA teams, three NHL teams, three major league soccer teams, five baseball teams. And uh, what do you think? Six, seven, eight division one football teams. He's Uh, sitting there, you know, he's sitting there going, well, hold on. Like, first off, I'm not focused on the fall. I'm focused on is this, you know, is Cedar Sinai got enough tests right now or, or something like that. Seven, seven. Stanford, yeah, San Cal, Diego USC, UCLA, San Diego State, San Jose State, Fresno State. Yeah, seven. Huh? Anybody what else? What did I say? Did I get seven? Yeah, I think that's it. I think you I think you forgot the Sacramento Kings, too, in the NBA, Dan. There's four. Four? There you go. <laughs> Missing an NBA team. There you go. Yeah, Easy I, to in, forget those. In, in defense, Are they in been, that? Is that the That's D-League? a good point. That the, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they're right on the cusp. They, they would have been relegated 20 years ago. So. Prove it. Have you seen a Sacramento <laughs> King game since Chris Name Weber left? three Kings. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> since they lost that one game. The entire Sacramento Kings, they played one game against the Lakers. That's all anyone remembers. That's Shaq, right. Kobe what? to, Kobe to seven, Shaq, the dunk. Yeah, that was it. They didn't even play the first six games of the series. It was all just a... It's just a mirage. Anyway, he's going to decide. And 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 it's going to be local ordinances. Like the mayor of Charlottesville, Virginia, can sit there and say, hell no, you ain't playing. I'm not going to sanction uh, yeah. that kind of game. And you want to go to some of these college towns, like, I mean, that's what we're down to. You think you're getting 130 college town mayors to agree on anything? Some of these... Maybe in some places they'll say, well, the economic benefit is so big, but if you're not going to have fans, what are we doing? I don't know. It's not one. We've always said this about the NCAA. There's no one in charge. 
Right? Like mm-hmm. who's, who, who runs college football? Don't know. There ain't anybody. It's a bunch of commissioners and they're yeah, all different o- personalities. Oligarchy of commissioners. That's it. Yeah. Oligarchy of commissioners. So it's just really hard unless there is significant progress on this testing. And that's why I think the MLB thing was so interesting because if you can now convince people, hey, this is safe or this is safer, now we got a chance. But under our current thing, boy, it's just hard to see how how this gets done in this sport in particular because you can't just buy an island and throw all the college football teams on it, although that would be a hell of a thing. <laughs> but you can't, you can't be a pretty big the NBA. island. <laughs> the NBA is like, we'll just take over MGM Grand and put all the guys yeah. in there and we're playing. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah. that seems hard, but it, this seems impossible. So, yeah, that island would have to be Australia. That's the only island big <laughs> enough to have all of college football on it. But, Dan, your point that I, I thought was good, though, that you run into immediate Title IX issues that if you decide it's okay to have football, when all right, is it you better say it's okay to have women's volleyball and cross country and, and those other things back on campus, I would think as well. There would be that uh that level of of consistency that would probably be asked for, if not mandated. And you know what we haven't talked about is do, do, do the players want to do this? Do the players wanna just like they drop don't have in a this union. quarantine bubble away from their families, away from their girlfriends, away from other students. Like, do they want to be the, you know, are we sure that all 130 or whatever there it is, Division One programs, all 85 dudes are going to be all in on this? Yeah, exactly. Because why wouldn't you just sit there and say, I want to wait a year. I worked my whole life to play college football. I want to play all 12 games. I want to play in front of the stadium. I want to run out of the tunnel. I want, I mean, like, Look, if you're getting paid and, you know, MLB says, you know, I mean, they got a union, too, but they have a union. College football doesn't. But, you know, look, sorry, you got to You're going to get paid millions of dollars. but You got to go live in Arizona Hotel or you got to live in the MGM Grand. Well, a lot of people have to travel for work. A lot of people do that. And if you don't want to do it, we'll find another player. Um, But in college, I would see if I was a football player, I'd be like, I'm good waiting a year. This isn't college. This isn't the college football I signed up for. I want to run out of the state. And so I think that's a really good point, Pete. Like what's we're all going to suffer. But the college kids like yeah, one more year. I'm good. Ramogi Huma has had an impact on the state of, you know, college player voice, I guess you would say. This is an opportunity, I think, for him to gain an even bigger foothold. I mean, sometimes he's I think he's kind of waxed and waned in terms of uh, influence. And you're right that this sort of thing, like, it, it, I think they're very much it, it almost demands some sort of unified player voice of what do they want if we get to this yeah. point? You know, if, if, if we get to the point of, OK, you guys can come back to campus it, on August 6th and start practicing. Well, what do the players want to do? How do they feel about that? It would be good. This might be an opportunity for him to increase his role or someone else in that role, uh, you know, nationally, conference-wise, or just even on each camp. All right, let me ask this, because it got brought up here, and, and I, I'd be interested in your take, Pat, because I remember this when I was a student. My first assignment at the Massachusetts Daily Collegian was to cover the cross-country team. <laughs> women's cross country team, right? Very hard sport to cover because they just run into the woods and then they come back. It's not, <laughs> yeah. It's like, right. They Here shoot they a gun, they'd run. Here they come back. They go, yep. they come in the woods. <laughs> it's like 18 minutes later. I don't know what the time was. They come back. Now, it's a very quick sport to cover. 
<laughs> hey, you talk to a couple of the runners and the coach, and you're done in like 30 minutes. It's great. Yeah, it's uh, a daytime blanket sport. Co- I mean, it's yeah. incredible coverage. Incredible coverage I provided of the team. <laughs> yeah, the Pulitzer uh, Committee uh, must have lost your entries, Dan. Uh, <laughs> it's it's one of the great controversies over there. Uh, it really Columbia. was. It really was. But <laughs> I remember finding out that, and I guess I knew this, but they had scholarships to college. And I remember thinking, why? <laughs> okay, now they go. Okay, I get it. You got a football team. It, it's at the front porch of the universe. The, the only people at the at the cross country meet were me and their parents. That was it. Okay, and I was only there. Like there was no media coverage other than, than the collegian. And so it was like, this is a school. Why in the world would we take the scholarship money and nothing against the the runners and give this this person a a, a scholarship? And not one more kid who actually needed the money and couldn't go to the school. And I remember that at the time being like, this doesn't make any sense. Now, I understand now more the complexities of it all and Title IX and we want this robust thing and we have kids in the theater department and all the different stuff. But as you point out to the cutting of sports, does this somehow, you know, is this is this a chance for, for some of these athletic departments in compliance with the Title IX laws to say, why exactly are we giving a scholarship to a wrestler anyway? That does. Why not give one more engineering scholarship, especially these if, if we're going to start losing money on athletics? And obviously, Pat, you've had three Olympic sport college athletes who've all received some some level of scholarship. I, I was wondering your thought on that and why my thinking is wrong. But I, I fear like this might be reexamined as the as the belts get tightened. Oh, I, I well, I don't think there's any doubt it's being reexamined uh, and will continue to be reexamined. And for some places, this may, uh, which Pete alluded to with, you know, Old Dominion wrestling, th- this may just provide cover f- for people to do what they've wanted to do. Now, there's also, there's going to be very real and very necessary belt tightening at all kinds of programs all, all over the place. I mean, all, for, for non-revenue sports. And the, my question is whether that belt tightening will carry over to King football and King basketball and whether they'll be asked to do anything other than business as usual. Here's the thing. Okay. If we go back to when intercollegiate sports began, they were introduced as a part of your campus experience as a college student. Okay. Consistently over time, they became massive business and this huge money-making machinery and that became football and basketball. The rest of the sports were still there. I think the rest of the sports should have still been there. I think that they are part of a vibrant, well-rounded campus. You mentioned theater department, uh, music department, a lot of other places where people are getting scholarships to do things to put on plays and productions that other students can go to or alums or people in the city and go check out. The other thing, and I, I did have an AD bring this up to me the other day, is you know who a lot of the cross country runners are and the wrestlers and the track athletes and the swimmers uh, and the volleyball players are some of the best students on campus and people that are coming from all over the country to be on your campus. And you want those people there. And not all of them are on full scholarship. Matter of fact, the vast majority of them are not. Most of them are paying a lot more than they are being paid to be there. So, you know, if you're USC and your tuition is 80,000 a year, and you're getting a 40 1500 SAT 
volleyball player who wants to be there and you're they're paying most of that money to you hey you're pretty happy to have them because you're you know what your your athletic gpa is high because of those sports now yeah if you cut down to purely dollars and cents does it make sense to have these other sports no but a title nine says you should do it b well-rounded campus c bring good students onto your campus who also bring good publicity from an athletic standpoint yeah, there's some reasons to have it. Another thing, too, is like Oregon has women's lacrosse now. Bellarmine in Louisville Division II has men's lacrosse now. Florida has women's lacrosse now. Michigan has men's lacrosse. And to expound upon what Pat's thought there is, now you're getting students from Long Island and the D.C., Baltimore area. And, and now, all of a sudden, it opens up the ideas of all the high school students who looked up to those lacrosse players who saw them, all the kids who went to their high school camps, whatever – as, oh, Oregon's a place I can go to school from when I grow up on Long Island. Oh, it's, it, it, is, it is sort of a, it opens up pipelines for regular students and it's good for universities to draw students from areas that they wouldn't traditionally recruit from. All that said, when this hits the chopping block, this is going to be about, do we pay the tennis coach $125,000 or do we pay the assistant director of player personnel $125,000 who can help us get good football players? And as this thing comes, I just think decisions are going to be made about non-revenue sports where that money gets folded into uh, where that money gets folded into football. And in some places it could be basketball, but it's really football, football, football. Football drives the bus. Football is what the TV people will tell you. 85% of those billion-dollar contracts, the, the money is from football. And so and if you're at a place that's maybe a little bit of a have-not in your league, you are probably going to do whatever you can to fund every, everything possible in football. So I do think that schools are going to be more strategic, and there could be a, a bit of a bludgeoning of, of, of non-revenue sports here just because the budgets don't work. One supporting 13 is not a tenable model, and a lot of that could come crashing down here in the next few months. I will say, if you look at Division Three athletics, it's really the model of why you have Division Three. You'll have a you have a 35-person baseball team because all these kids have to pay their own way and they get to say they're playing college sports. So Division Three's got to figure it out. And they're like, hey, this is our this is our way of uh of doing that. All right, I want to move to this. We'll have plenty of time to talk about whether there'll be a season. Hopefully not that much, but who knows? Mike Leach, our buddy the pirate. <laughs> we promised good stuff uh in his move to Mississippi State for our purposes. So Mike Leach is, I guess, waiting this out down at his spot in uh, Key West, and he's been tweeting a lot, as he tends to do. And he sent out a tweet the other day uh, that has since been deleted. It's basically a picture of an elderly woman with knitting sticks in her hands, and she was not knitting a scarf. She was knitting a noose. The caption said, after two weeks of quarantine with her husband, Gertrude decided to knit him a scarf. That went up there, and Leach has since taken it down and uh, apologized for offending anyone. Now, I certainly understand that he thought this was just a joke. The wife's tired of her husband, all that. Uh, I think anything involving a noose is never a good idea to joke about. There's certain things. In part because of this, there was backlash with some of his players. Two Mississippi State players have now announced they are transferring. The father of one, Fabian Lovett, his dad, uh, Abdullah Lovett, appears. He said uh, his quote, I thought this was kind of interesting. 
I didn't feel comfortable with my son being down there with a guy like that from a leadership standpoint that you can just throw anything out there. I feel if he can do it, the kids are going to feel like they can do it. And I thought that was an interesting kind of bit on why you might transfer. It's not I'm offended necessarily, although anyone's free to be offended. But it's my problem with with Leach on this. You're the head football coach. You can't just share on social media like any meme or funny thing you see or something you think is funny. You have a job that doesn't allow that or shouldn't allow that. And I think that's kind of my more fault with him is like, dude, get off social media. Who cares, right? I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on all this? Pete, you go first. Yeah, I mean, look, Mike Leach has long been a mess on social media. He just has been. He's He tweeted out a, a, a an anti-Obama hoax back in, uh, in in June of 18 that he ended up having to, to, to walk back. And he is defiant in his political beliefs. Quite frankly, he can believe what he wants. Some of that stuff just shouldn't be surfaced in your in your social media account. And I do at least applaud Mississippi State for making him apologize for it. I, I think maybe the apology should have been more than just like a just a, a, a breezy, uh, a breezy tweet or release or, or, or whatever it was. But when you bring in Mike Leach, you know, you are going to bring in some of these ancillary problems with Mike Leach being Mike Leach. And even going all the way back to the he didn't lock Craig James kid in the closet when ESPN reported he did that whole that whole drama he still to this day doesn't think he did anything wrong like he didn't handle anything wrong and that is part of probably what makes Mike Leach great as a coach because he's like defiant and stubborn and you know sticks to his instincts all those good things but it also makes him a terrible representative of the university at times and this was a huge mistake there's no other way to say it and if you're Mississippi State right now, uh, their head PR guy, Bill Martin, just left a couple weeks ago for, for Tennessee. Bill's a very good PR guy. I don't let Mike Leach tweet anything unless someone approves it. Like, I just think it's at that point where there's enough evidence that's come up where you have to you have to monitor him more because when left to his own devices, there is a rich history of him failing and really not showing the proper sensitivity. Uh, Pete, your points are excellent across the board on that. But I, I got to go back to one thing first from Dan's uh, intro to this topic. Knitting needles, not knitting sticks. They're not sticks. They're, they're needles, knitting needles. So we got that uh, straightened out for our, our uh, knitting community out there that I'm sure is very large that listens to this podcast. You knit? Thank you. you knit. Thank you, Pat. No, they're I don't. I don't <laughs> knit. I don't knit, but I know what they're called. They're called knitting needles. There's a lot so. of knitting groups in like Iowa who just meet and listen to our podcast, or they used to meet they and do. listen to our podcast. Now <laughs> they now they Zoom me and listen to our podcast. So thank you. <laughs> there we go. So we've straightened that out. But uh, no, it, I mean, Dan, what you said is exactly right. Is it's, He's acting like... His Twitter account is like a group text with his buddies, you know, with some of the stuff that he puts out there. It's not appropriate and not just, you know, in a in a vacuum or whatever, but know your audience. You are the coach now at Mississippi State University. The state of Mississippi has had a profoundly painful racial history, a lot of which include lynching human beings, lynching African-Americans, the symbol of a noose means a whole lot in the state of Mississippi. It means a lot of really bad things to a lot of really bad people. So you're not in Pullman anymore. Uh, and while Pullman is a Power Five conference, and while Mississippi State in Starkville is not exactly Los Angeles, you are in a bigger fishbowl in the SEC, and you have to act like a grown-up. Sorry, 
you know, really tough, tough deal to have to be a grown-up, but uh, that's the point where Mike Leach should be. And yeah, his university probably needs to keep a, a lot tighter rein on him if you can, if you can keep a rein on a college football coach in this day and age without treating him like a, an emperor who has say over all things. Yes. And do you think, Pat, I guess that he should have, uh, that Mississippi State should have done more or, or said more? you know, in, in the aftermath of, uh, of what he tweeted. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, his apology was basically one of those, eh, well, if I offended you, I'm sorry, you know, which is not a good apology. So I thought, yes, um, an institutional response and, and something more substantive from him probably needed to happen. Uh, and I would imagine he had to figure, I would hope have to make a lot of calls to, uh, a lot of people, whether it's players, whether it's recruits, whether it's parents, whether it's community leaders around the state and say, hey, I screwed up because he did. Yeah. Mike Leach does not do empathy well, you know, and, and yeah. he does not do seeing the world from others perspectives well. So my guess would be yeah. that, you know, at least individually, maybe he addressed the team on it. I'd, I'd be very curious about about that aspect, because that's that's something that especially when you're away. You could, that could certainly fester among uh, among team members. And sure. It'd be interesting to see if more players – now, look, new coaching change, players are going to end up in the portal, right? That's going to – you know, that's just going to inherently uh, happen, especially, quite frankly, if you're going to play for Mike Leach, defensive players are going to end up in the in the portal because they're, they're probably going to be skeptical of his uh, light defensive history, and it's a totally new system bringing in the 3-3-5. But – I, I would not be surprised if if more Mississippi State players end up end up joining in the uh, in the aftermath of this. Yeah, and that, well, that's the other thing too is is he's brand new to the job. He, it was it was actually even a late start to the job, and um, so you have not even had a chance to really probably build up enough rapport and trust with those players yet, you know. And so if you're going to give them more reason to say, "What's the deal with this guy? Do we really want to be here or not?" Uh, that's probably not a good thing. If yeah, if he's down in Key West, you know, popping off on Twitter, and everybody else is back in Mississippi trying to get by here, it's uh, it's it's a recipe for at least I think continued disconnect uh, amongst the players and the and the coaching staff. We're gonna we're gonna pivot topics here, Pat. We're gonna go from uh, Mike Leach to the podcast gift that keeps on giving. HBO's The Scheme. Um, <laughs> there was an interesting yes. Facebook post from Mike Lonergan, the former coach of Vermont, former coach at George Washington. He was let go there under uh, shaky circumstances, probably four or five years ago, um, uh, and he posted on Facebook uh, two three days ago. I just watched the scheme. Not only should Will Wade, Sean Miller, Rick Pitino, and several others be out of coaching, they should be in jail, exclamation point. The NCAA is a complete joke. They, would, they won't touch the coaches and universities and athletic directors at the highest level because of the money they make for the NCAA. They have these huge coaches on tape talking about paying players huge amounts of money and nothing was done about it. If you are a fan of college basketball and have two hours, this is worth watching. It is easy to be a good guy coach when you are cheating your tail off and buying players. To me, Pat, that was one of the first open rebukes of this from someone who, you know, Mike Lonergan was a NCAA, multiple-time NCAA tournament coach. He's been out of the business for a little while, but it has been supremely rare for a coach with his name on it to really go after 
you know, some of the high profile people involved. There's there's been a very much a no snitching ethos around college basketball for the last 25 years, maybe longer. I'm curious what you thought of Lonergan's remark. Yeah, they're very interesting. They were uh, remarkable from that standpoint that you said that, A, somebody spoke up with their name attached. So that in and of itself was significant. B, you know, it's also easier when you are out of coaching. And yes. there may be some, you know, some bitterman uh, dynamics involved there. But still, worthwhile and significant. Now, and the one thing, and I understand where these guys come from, but he sounds a little bit like a lot of the misinformed fans we hear from of, oh, they, they're not, they haven't done anything to Bill Self. Well, yes, they have. Actually, they've charged Bill Self with major violations. They haven't done anything to LSU. Well, they're working on it. They haven't done anything to Arizona. Well, they're working on it. We just saw, actually, where... Committee on Infractions basically put a halt on everything till May 31st, just as a lot of other things around college athletics have been halted till May 31st. And I know it's taken forever, but to say they've done nothing is A, inaccurate, and B, selective memory and retention, I think, on a lot of these things. So, you know, there's things that are in progress that we just got to let them play out. Yeah, well, I would think in spirit Mike Lonergan is right technically he's wrong on that they've done nothing because there have been very few tangible consequences like Sean Miller's made over 10 million dollars since all this happened Will Wade has made about eight million dollars since all this has happened there is there has been very little in a punitive nature that has discouraged this type of behavior and I think that's what gets under coaches skin the most is that just general college coaches skin the most is that there, there really has been little deterrent for all the for all the thunder. And, you know, one of my theories from this the whole time as this FBI investigation kind of disintegrated was that they looked at the landscape and realized the black market was so vast and complex, it probably wasn't worth their time to, like, really dig in on Andy Miller, really dig in on Sean Miller, really dig in on all these. Now, in our world, it would have been fascinating, compelling and paradigm changing. But in reality... Is, you know, with everything going on in, in, in the world and especially at that time and, you know, in, in 17 when, uh, you know, the Justice Department was was dialed in on on Trump and different politicians, you know, would it would it have been worth it? I don't know. Th that's always been been my theory, Pat, on just how it eventually came to a hard stop because it was going to be too hard to keep going. Well, I mean, that could be some I would still like a good explanation for why it became a dead a hard stop, you know, uh, and maybe that was it. It was too big. It was too broad. It was too complex. Uh, and maybe their scope was so narrow that, well, if Christian Dawkins wasn't going to give up Rick Pitino and Andy Miller, then we're just not going to even try to get Rick Pitino and Andy Miller. It's like, unless it's spoon fed to us, forget it. Uh, and we're going to narrow our scope and we're going to charge 10 people or what have you. I guess I would say this for, you know, for people who are like the NCAA has done nothing. Okay. They, they are doing some things. They're doing them slowly. Yes. They have also, they have not done, they have not demonstrated the ability to do a lot other than what the SDNY brought to them. But if you want to get, instead of being general of they haven't done anything or nothing has been done, I would get specific and say to the University of Arizona and the LSU and Kansas, your guy looks really dang guilty here. What are you doing about it? Because those schools are the ones, the member schools are just sitting on their hands saying, eh, We'll do it when we have to, or maybe we won't do it at all. Well, I do think it's been a it's been a fascinating game of chicken, right? Between places like Auburn, Arizona, Kansas, LSU, and the NCA. They're basically saying, come get us. And one, we yeah. know you're gonna if you come get us, we know it's gonna be slow. 
Like we, we know that for sure. And then two, we really don't think you can get us because quite frankly, the last 30 years have shown very few pieces of empirical evidence that your investigating body is capable of coming and catching us. Now, some of that is because they, they don't have the things that they do have in this case, the wiretaps. They don't have you know the ability to make people testify, et cetera, et cetera. It's universities who have become reliant on this income, who have quite frankly become you know attached to the winning and all, all the coaches involved, although flawed ethically, have very rare abilities to, to both you know assemble teams and coach them. You know, yeah. Bruce Pearl, for sure. all his flaws, is a very good basketball coach. Bill Self, nobody's going to say that Bill Self is is a is a bad basketball coach. So when yeah. you when you when when you go through it all, the millions of dollars a year that Kansas is basically choosing the you know fourteen straight Big Tens or whatever the heck Bill's run was there, and the 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 good equity, good name, national branding, etc. That's come with that, and they're they're going to stand by him. And from a financial perspective, that makes sense. Now, the interesting thing about Lonergan speaking out to me was that there are zero coaches who've come out and said, man, Bill's getting a bad break here. Man, why is NCAA <laughs> going after Bill? Like, there has been none. No, nobody, has, nobody has spoken publicly saying this about Sean Miller, and certainly nobody has said anything positive about Bill Wade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Bruce no. Pearl may be, may be le- less popular than all of them. Um, nobody's pointing out the fact that, oh, poor Bruce got an unlucky break when... Uh, you know, one of his assistants got arrested from the FBI for trying to essentially like con the families out of money in a wayward financial scheme. So, no. <laughs> you, you know, these coaches are all just sitting on islands right now. All their peers know exactly what they've done and what should happen. But the universities themselves are saying like, no. And, and honestly, like you have to respect Auburn at this point. Like they made a straight <laughs> renegade hire when they hired Bruce Pearl and it worked. It worked fantastically, yeah. and now sure. they've gotten a Final Four out of it, and they got another really good season that could have ended up in another thing. Like they got exactly what they wanted. They got a guy who's going to win and make them relevant and probably cheat. All that was going to yeah. come with Bruce Pearl, and guess what? All of it arrived. It's exactly what they purchased. It, it looked on them the way they the way they took it off the rack. It's looked the same when they when they <laughs> wore it at home in front of the mirror. That's who Bruce Pearl is. And if you're Auburn doing risk reward and season calculus, I, I almost give him credit for just saying like, you know what? Nobody cares about that stuff. And and this is what really has been proven in this pat. Nobody does care if you break NCAA rules. Fans don't care. The media doesn't care. I don't really think, and, and certainly university presidents don't care. So it, it's been right. a, it, I think it's been an, an interesting sea change in all this. Oh yeah. No, I'm with you. The attitudes toward all of the th- stuff that's gone under the bridge have, uh, have changed significantly. What has also changed, uh, discerning listeners may have noticed here for the last few minutes that the quality of the podcast went up, uh, the level <laughs> of discourse, the intelligence, because Wetzel <laughs> dropped out because uh, Dan Wetzel's computer like rebooted and he is uh, off in the ether right now trying to get that fixed and probably will not before the end of the podcast. But yes. uh, we, we, uh, we are having great, uh, great enjoyment of his ineptitude <laughs> and uh, we don't really miss him. But, you know, if he, if he does make it back, we'll take it. If not, we'll talk to him at the next uh, installment. But by the way, you taunting someone for technological ineptitude is the height of hypocrisy. (laughs) Hey, has my computer ever done this during a podcast? No, I I actually I I actually know what happened because Yahoo had done one of those mandatory updates where it's like when Indiana Jones is trying to dive out of the tunnel and you can see the like the the stone wall (laughs) closing and he reaches back for his hat. Like it's like if you defer twice more, basically it says 
we are going to just restart your computer at a random time that will come at the worst opportunity for you. And that's happened to me at very bad opportunities in the past, including like deleting interviews and stuff. So Dan, of course, was was deferring and pressing his luck. And he just he lost the uh, the Yahoo Apple update game show uh, right before uh, right before our eyes. Or he was just like, you know what? I got to do this twice a week with these guys through the rest of this pandemic. Yeah. He's like he just probably cracked a bush light and was like, ah, that's good. I get, I get I gave him a half an hour of, uh, of, of my time. So. He got splattered on the on the train tunnel wall, is what you're saying. Yeah, the, yes. the, the Indiana Jones analogy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my Sports Illustrated computer is working just fine for the record. So, uh, you know, big city magazine anyway. budget. You know, we we knew yeah. this is where when you were when you were headed there. We knew this was uh, this this is what's going to happen. Your your superior equipment. We bow to uh, we bow to your SI uh, SI technology. <laughs> All right. Well, Wetzel's off trying to fire up his gerbil-powered uh, laptop. We do always have a couple of uh, news of the weird items. And as is often the case, distressingly, some of them emanate from the city of Louisville, where I live. I admit it's a weird place. We've got a lot of weird people. They do weird things. And uh, among the weird things that have happened here within the last few days, this was... Uh, Came from an area called Norton Commons, a nice uh, multi-use neighborhood, as they call it. You know, they built uh, relatively recently. It's got some nice, you know, condos, apartments, houses, and then some some stores and businesses, uh, bars, restaurants, that sort of thing. And nice day. I think it was over the weekend, perhaps. uh, And there was a group of, I believe, teenage girls that were hanging out in the Norton Commons, one of the common areas. And an older gentleman was walking, I guess, with uh, with a female, and he was not pleased to see this gathering, this socially irresponsible, dangerous gathering of, uh, of young people. And he went over and accosted them, and things went downhill from there. And, of course, when, when there's a disagreement nowadays, everybody whips out their phones and starts v- videotaping, and that's good because we got to see what happened. So this guy, who's probably in his 60s, maybe, uh, starts yelling at the girls. I think there was probably some sass back at him, but nothing, you know, too egregious. And uh, so he goes over and uh, starts shoving a couple of the girls around, like laying hands and literally pushing them around. And they start getting very upset. And this is, this is you know, actual physical assault. And uh, the woman that was with him was filming the thing. She gets her phone knocked out of her hands. And then the guy goes down to his knees and starts strangling one of the females wraps his hands around her throat. She happened to be African-American, which might have added another element of, uh, of to the issue. He shoved a couple of Caucasian girls. He strangled an African-American, and uh, he has ended up facing charges on this. So that is not really a terribly responsible way to handle a, a social distancing issue. If you see one, Pete Thamel, what, what do you think... Uh, should happen, should befall this. This is my question. Yeah. Like, at what point should we be shaming people, like, in public? Like, say you're out for, like, the, your one designated daily walk and you see gatherings of people. Like, is it, like, you know, because you can, like, snicker or, you know, mumble with whoever you're with, you know, in a socially... But, like, is it our responsibility to call these people out? Like, how does how does that work? Like, if you're driving around a suburban town and you see a group of teenagers or whoever gathered or, like... 
there's a party across the street from your house. I think this is like a real question at this juncture in this in this pandemic is like, what is your responsibility? Like, are, are you goody two shoes if you're like if you shame them? I, I, I'm just curious what you what you think. Yeah, about that. I mean, certainly fighting them is not the <laughs> yeah. answer. I know Going that. over and shoving them to the ground and wrapping your hands around their throat. That, that is violating social distancing of your own, uh, I would say. I don't know. It's a good question. I've not been in that situation. I, you know, I, I think that there can be probably some benefit to a, a, a little bit of peer pressure to a degree of like, hey, you know what? Maybe you guys should take into consideration what the uh, what the situation is and and disperse. But if, if taking it further than that, I think is not your place. And if they don't do it, you know, you can call. There's numbers to call, right? And say, hey, we've got a social distancing problem at Douglas Hills Park or whatever. And, you know, somebody maybe they maybe they deal with it. But uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm certainly not one who's very uh, likely to jump in other people's business. But these are unusual times. What do you think? I think your town of Louisville is the weirdest <laughs> place in America. Like it, it is Florida. It is Florida north. Um, I stumbled upon this last week and texted you immediately so there were two fake coronavirus testing shops set up in shopping center parking lots in Louisville. One fake testing site. This is according to W.A.V.E. Wow. In, uh, in Louisville. Um, there is one fake testing site on 17th and Broadway and another one in Shelby Park. Of all the diabolical sick things you can do during a pandemic, having people pay for a fake COVID-19 test has to be just the single most, like you have to have a evil core to be able to do that. Cause you've got to like fake tests, you've got to fake medical things and you have to expose yourself, which is just like the sheer stupidity combined with the evilness of this. I, I, it is the most astounding thing I have seen through all this. Just awful. Yeah. You know, and, and actually to, to take it further and make it worse in my opinion is uh, the fact that those are both poor areas. Like that, that you are not dealing with people that have a lot of money, perhaps not even a lot of education. So you are basically trying to take advantage of the poor and, and the uneducated in that situation. So I hope those people and probably the uninsured, oh, right, because people sure. who don't have insurance are going to go pay cash and, you know, and try to yeah. uh, try to do that. But just what a what a debacle. <laughs> Where's this world, hope, man? I'm, like, get, get your people right. I, I hope they do time. <laughs> I'm I would be happy to socially intervene with them. That's for sure. But hey, you know what, Pete? You you've still been known to come to town despite the eccentricities of uh, of Louisville. You, you and I hope that you will. For I, I like I do like Louisville. I think it's an underrated city. I just have been overwhelmed in the in the couple of years we've done this podcast at the inordinate amount of weird weird things <laughs> we got, that have happened. We got a lot of weird here. Come on back and experience more of it sometime soon when we're all healthy and able to to leave our homes. So, uh, yes, I look forward to making my annual deposit at the Kentucky Derby to your taxpayer funds. You know, hopefully it keeps your taxes down there because I I usually do traditionally deposit quite a bit of money <laughs> to the good people in the city. You keep of our roads paved. So. We appreciate that. So. Yes. <laughs> all right, that's the pod for this week. Uh, Wetzel is off. You know, doing whatever he's trying to do to fig make his computer work. Hopefully, he'll get it figured out by the time we come back everybody else do your part to flatten the curve and stay healthy and we hope to talk to you soon it's no secret that our world has been interrupted a world interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus 
and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. We'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.